Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that we are here, that allows us to be here. We thank you for your love and grace and patience, your heart for us and desire to connect with us. That you created us in your image, meant to reflect you and to be with you. God, we fail so often and so easily. We ignore and walk away and hide. But you are still there, desiring to bring us back to be with you. Father God, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak. We pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to see you more clearly, that we can love you a little more deeply, follow you a little more closely, reflect you a little more to the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. As we begin, let's open to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, we're going to read this together. It's a good one. Are you excited? Oh, man. Oh, man. It is my favorite, as a matter of fact. For real. Like, also Psalm 73, that was also my favorite. But this one, Psalm 19, let's read this together. For the director of music, we never read that part. We always skip over that part, but it matters. There's like a little script at the top of these things, and we always skip over that part. For the director of music, a psalm of David. And it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our God is amazing. And he's worthy of praise, worthy of worship, worthy of our lives. Amen. God is good. 
This morning we're going to be continuing in our journey through this summer of Psalms, exploring the depth and the breadth of worship and relationship expressed here in this book. Psalms are powerful and profound and have been a huge part of the worship of the people of God for countless generations. These words are found everywhere in our art and our music across the centuries. They express something so deep and universal about our experience. And as we talked about previously, there there are so many traditions that are using the Psalms as a part of their daily diet of Scripture, their daily time and meditation. There's something incredibly important about spending time with them. They read from all different parts of the Bible all the time, but every day they include the Psalms. A lot of the scripture is is stories or philosophy or or history, but the Psalms are art. They're feelings and emotions. They're paintings of relationship and experience of life. So often in, in Christianity, we talk about apologetics and having good answers to the questions of the world, having good reasons for faith, defending the word. And and those things are good, they're important, but God isn't just a God of of the mind, of the head, of logic and knowledge. He's a God of relationship, of love, of experience and connection and, and life. And in the Psalms, we connect to something about God that is deeply and profoundly beautiful and mysterious. It's exciting and challenging because the Psalms don't just express joy and happiness and peace. They're filled with hurt and doubt and fear too. Life is real. And life is often Hard And God not only is present in the good times, but he is still God in the struggle as well, in hardship and in hurt. And we saw that in Psalm 25 and Psalm 73. But the Psalms do also express just incredible joy and worship too. And Psalm 19 is an amazing example of that, just pure worship. Acknowledging God, seeing his beauty and majesty and wisdom and power and bowing before him in all of his glory. It's David standing maybe on the veranda outside of his room in his palace. And it's a warm summer night and he's He's looking up into the sky, up at the stars, and it's dark, it's quiet, there's maybe a couple of lamps burning, but there's no street lights, there's no neon signs, there's no headlights or TV screens or apartment windows across the block. It's dark, dark. 
Have you ever seen a truly clear, dark night sky? You got to go a long ways away from a city to get there. Maybe you've gone camping really remotely or up high in the mountains or something like that, but there's so much light pollution in our world, it's difficult to truly see a dark night sky. Growing up on the farm, we had some of that, but even then we had a pretty bright yard light that would kind of drown things out a little bit. One of the most incredible views I ever had was up in the mountains of Lesotho in Africa. I was there with YWAM doing my discipleship training school and we first traveled to the capital city of Maseru for a few days to get situated and then we traveled up for a few weeks of our outreach to this remote village called Katane. And it was about a 10-hour drive in the back of this little pickup truck. Ten of us packed in the box of this like little Datsun or Toyota little quarter-ton thing. Ten hours driving deep up into the mountains on these tiny, tiny, winding little mountain roads, barely wide enough for the tires of our truck. It's straight out of the Discovery Channel. That The road was barely wide enough, and it's like a cliff just hundreds of feet high on either side. You are trapped there. You just kind of close your eyes. You don't really think about it. It's too much. And then we meet a bus coming the other way. It's not physically possible for these vehicles to pass through one another, but I guess physics doesn't apply in Africa or something. I don't know, because we made it. But we got all the way up to this little village where we were going to be living and serving for the next few weeks, and it was a beautiful and absolutely amazing and humbling experience. These people were so kind and welcoming and lovely. There's so many amazing stories of sharing life together with them for that moment. But that first night, the sun went down early in the evening, as it does in the mountains. And it was dark, dark. There wasn't an artificial light to be found for a hundred miles in any direction. And you've never seen a sky like that. Just lit up. The Milky Way just shining brighter than you've ever seen. Millions of stars all shining so brightly and clearly. It's absolutely awe-inspiring. Stars and planets and solar systems and galaxies beyond counting. And every one of them seen and known and named by God. And there David stands looking at that exact same sky, dotted with a thousand, thousand points of light, the Milky Way sweeping across the sky, and he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. David was a king, but first he was a shepherd, and for countless hours and endless days he sat by himself out in the wilderness with that flock, moving them from pasture to pasture, huddled by a little fire at night, looking up at those stars, 
awestruck at what God had made. And all that time spent in silence with the sky had made a deep mark on his heart, had filled him with wonder at the power and majesty of God. He didn't have YouTube. He didn't have podcasts. He didn't have access to hundreds and thousands of hours of amazing speakers and preachers and teachers and theologians to teach him about God, unpacking scripture, unraveling the mysteries of creation for him. He had nature itself speaking the nature of God. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God has made himself clear to us. He is speaking loudly to us. His nature is revealed all around us, all the time. Romans chapter 1 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people are without excuse. Our lives are filled with distractions, busyness, and responsibilities. And then our fears and insecurities covered over with activity and work always moving and doing so that we can't stop to think, to see, to pray. But God is always there. Always speaking. Every breath, every cell, every branch, every blade of grass. The skies, the clouds, the mountains, the rivers, displaying and proclaiming God's power, His wisdom, His love, His creativity, His beauty, His care, His attention, His very presence. David saw that and he he understood it. He had plenty of time to experience it in the wilderness and it stuck with him through his whole life. The beauty of creation displayed God's nature and presence to him. And then the mechanics of it all displayed God's power and control. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. God has made everything beautiful. And he has made everything work. David saw the control and the care of God in creation to his provision, his presence. And it drew him to worship. And it drew him to the word. David goes on, the law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise 
the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. David has a deep love for the word of God, for the law of God. And the incredible thing about that is just exactly what part of the book that he's talking about. We have this thing we call the Bible today. 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And it's been around in this form for about 1,700 years. And it's really difficult for us to understand and recognize that this didn't always exist. David didn't have this. His deep love and the passion that he's describing is just really for that. Just the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the Law. And even then, he wouldn't have had easy access to it. As king, I suppose, he probably would have had perhaps copies of these scrolls somewhere in the library for him. But I mean, we have 15 Bibles in our house, and it's all on the internet anyways, and three different apps on our phone. For, for David, especially growing up as a shepherd and a nomad, the law was only ever heard orally. When a teacher of the law was around, someone who had memorized that portion of Scripture and could share it then with the people that they came in contact with. Occasionally when they could meet in a synagogue when they weren't moving around and hear teaching about the Word. He would have had such a limited experience with God's Word, barely ever able to hear it, let alone read it. And yet it had such a profound effect on him. God's word is powerful. And if our hearts are soft and our spirit is hungry, God's word is life. I mean, David had such a limited experience, but look how he describes God's word here, God's laws. He says they are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey on the honeycomb. Buy them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. David loved God's word. He hungered for it. It was beautiful to him, powerful, exciting. Is that how you feel? Is that how you experience Scripture? Is it more precious to you than gold? Is it sweeter than honey? Or do you find it dry and irritating? Maybe a burden and a chore. For David, it was the greatest treasure in the world, and our hearts need to be hungry for God's word too. But we struggle, and David struggles too. 
Who can discern their own errors, he says. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David expressed his heart so beautifully in worship, but he also understood his own brokenness and sinfulness. He loved God. He loved the Word. But he also knew the dark places of his heart and he longed to be free from them and those places were dark indeed. Murder, adultery, pride, selfishness. David, David is a complicated man to know, to read. He expresses these incredible things, but we also know the horrible stories from his life that show us the darkness of the human heart, even one who longs for God in this way. Life is complicated, and we are complicated, and God knows that better than even we do of ourselves. But despite all of this, David is known as a man after God's own heart because he genuinely hungered in this way. He failed miserably. But still his spirit longed for God, for his word, for truth, for life. And even with his massive failings, there was still something pure in his pursuit of God. And so David lays out his heart here in this psalm, his, his longing, his love for God. And some of these things are true. And some of these things are things he wants to be true about himself. Because at the end he shows us the discipline of worship. He says, may these words of my mouth And this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Sometimes we feel the things that we sing on a Sunday or read in our devotions or pray. And sometimes we need to say them until we feel them. To declare them when we don't know until we know. Our relationship with God isn't always perfect or even good sometimes, but He never changes. And His presence, His creation, His word are always true. More precious than gold, sweeter than honey, and there to bring us life. Through this series, the challenge has been to spend time yourself with these psalms as we walk through them together to let God speak to you, to your heart, to let his word work in your spirit and draw you closer. And I want you to do that this week with Psalm 19 as well. But I also want to challenge you this week and maybe every week going forward. To write your own psalm. This last verse has a beautiful challenge in it for us. May these words of my mouth 
And this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. These words are pleasing in God's sight. As David has poured out his heart here. But what is the meditation of your heart? What are the words on your heart that you would express to God? That you would desire to speak to please Him? Get in nature. Let creation speak to you. Let it draw you to the word that God's precious laws can inspire and challenge you. And as you meditate on it in your heart, what words would you express? God wants to speak to you too and he wants you to share your heart with him. He wants to hear you. What do you have to say? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for examples like this of what it means to open our hearts to you, to pour out our hearts to you, to see your glory and majesty in your creation, to see and understand your love in your word and your laws. To sense and understand your care, the depth of your love for us. God, we thank you that we can connect with these words together and across the centuries with so many followers and believers who have desired to pursue you. But God, you are just not just a God of the past. You are not dead. You are alive. You are here today with us and you are inviting us to express ourselves too. So this week, I pray, God, that your spirit would inspire us, challenge us, encourage us. And we would find time to write our own psalm, to express our hearts to you too. Our words might be faltering and messy, but God, we pray that they would be honest. That you would allow us to be vulnerable. To share our understanding of who you are, our desire for relationship with you. That these words of our mouths, these meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.